in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Allen Robinson has signed with the L.A. Rams, a three-year deal worth $46.5 million, which is $15.5 per year on an average basis. He got $30 million guaranteed. So basically, two of those three years guaranteed for Allen Robinson. Uh, reportedly, the Rams, or excuse me, the Raiders and Eagles were also interested. Um, obviously, the Raiders ended up getting Devontae Adams, so I don't think they're too worried about missing out on Allen Robinson. But how do the, the Rams. Rams keep doing this? They have a really good front office, it appears, because they keep adding these huge names. And, you know, Odell gets hurt, you turn around and you get Allen, you get Allen Robinson. I am, I'm curious to see what they do there, because obviously they have Cooper Cup, but now you have Allen Robinson, Robert Woods is coming off an injury, and right. if you remember, before, before Cooper Cup became Cooper the leading Cup. receiver in the NFL last year, he was still good, but he and Robert Woods were kind of the, the right. 1A, 1B in L.A., who they put up some similar numbers for a few seasons in a row. So I'm curious what happens with Robert Woods. Do they end up trading him because they have Allen Robinson now? How much value does he even have coming off an injury? And then they have Van Jefferson, who's a uh, still on his rookie contract and has been could be a good receiver if he got more time, but he might not ever get that in L.A. And then there's Odell Beckham, who I guess there was a report yesterday they haven't ruled out bringing him back. I, I don't know. the ACL? I, yeah, down. I don't know how he fits in exactly if you bring him back, but I'm curious to see what they do with their wide receiver group even if they just end up with Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup as their one and their two, right? They've got a really good, you know, yeah. start there as their wide receivers because Allen Robinson, until last year, he did not have a productive year last year. But Allen Robinson, throughout his career in Jacksonville and in Denver, or in uh, Jacksonville and Chicago, Chicago, has played with horrible quarterbacks and has been really, really good, really productive. So I'm curious to see what they do with the rest. But even just Cup and Robinson should be really good. Um, I for, keep forgetting that one's just very short. I think it's just Pete DeBoer's sign. It's just Pete DeBoer's sign. Yeah, that's all no it is. No more like we got a good old-fashioned ass kicking. Yeah, not anymore. So, the big news for Raiders uh, yesterday. They signed offensive lineman Alex Bars away from the Chicago Bears. He's played guard, tackle, and center. I'm assuming he's not a starter. No. I'm I assuming. I mean, at this point, they might not have any more money, so he might have to be a starter because they got Devontae Adams. But I'm assuming he's not. They also signed Amir Abdullah, seven years in the NFL, a running back. He, uh, early in his career, had two years where he rushed for over 500 yards as sort of a backup running back. Hasn't done much of that recently. But now they have four running backs. Jacobs and uh, Kenyon Drake is the top two. They just added Brandon Bolden and now Amir Abdullah. Do you think they carry four? It, or does Abdullah Jay, Bolden Drake on the move? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a chance somebody's on the move. There's a chance they carry four and a fullback. That'd be a big, you know, running backs room because they have a fullback on the roster too. So I don't know if that means somebody potentially gets moved or if. Well, now, didn't John Gruden sign Drake? He did, but yeah. then they but then they restructured his deal to push some of the cap hit to the okay. to back a year or two. So I would think that means they're going to at least keep him for this year. But again, maybe they just want a big running back room. Maybe that's what the answer is at the end of the day. Even though that's maybe a waste of a roster spot if you're going to keep Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden around. I feel like you could probably sign Amir Abdullah in November if you needed to sign Amir Abdullah. But that's sort of where they're at at the moment. So maybe they just carry five running backs. It's like you said before the show. How many times? How many people are left that John Gruden signed? Not many. 
just the drafted guys. Pretty much. I mean, I'm sure there's there's got to be at least like one or two guys left that they that Gruden actually signed as a free agent, but that's it. Like I guess if we count Darren Waller, he, they signed him off the practice right. squad of the right. the Ravens. So Darren Waller is Darren Waller's kind of the only one holding left. the flag. Daddy had a breakaway. Casey Hayward yeah, signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Daddy had a breakaway. Two-year deal, only $11 million. Yeah. Should the Raiders have brought yeah. him back at that price? Everyone was saying he was really going to cash in. When I saw $11 million, I'm like, I don't know if he really cashed yeah, in. Yeah, that's not for over two years. No. Over two years. I don't know how much is guaranteed. Now, scheme fits probably the most important thing for the Raiders, and Patrick Graham hasn't told anybody what his scheme's going to be here. He keeps trying to avoid that question. So I'm going to basically assume that they have a good idea of what they want in scheme but if Casey Hayward was going to basically fit the scheme that Patrick Graham's going to run doesn't seem like a lot of money right I, I would assume you'd bring that guy back for that much especially when you know hey we just signed Devontae Adams and that's going to cost a lot of money right. so it's yeah it's just a, a very small contract that maybe they maybe the Raiders just had no interest whatsoever maybe it was just yeah we're going to not run cover three at all and we only think you're good in cover three so we're not going to sign you. Uh, but at that price, I, even then, it wouldn't have been a massive mistake, I think, for the Raiders. Step back one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? Win. A judge ruled that minor leaguers are employees of Major League Baseball. There's going to be a trial that starts on June 1st that I guess is going to actually decide what happens here for minor league baseball players, but a California judge did decide that minor leaguers are employees of Major League Baseball, basically citing that... So Major League Baseball has been arguing that minor leaguers are seasonal employees, right. that they show up for the summer and they work for a season, and then they're done. And if they were ruled seasonal employees, they're allowed to be paid below minimum wage. But because this judge has said, no, no, these are actual Major League Baseball employees. They are not seasonal employees. If this trial does, in fact, go the way of the minor leaguers, then Major League Baseball is probably going to end up having to pay them a lot more money. Boy, Major League Baseball tries to get over on people, don't they? On everyone. Under minimum wage? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah, they pay Under them. Under minimum wage? They pay them a few hundred dollars a month or whatever it is and say, here you go. Show Prove up. Yourself. You live in your car. Oh, my God. Like, hope- it's... I hope they lose that. I hope they lose that trial. I assume they will. I would imagine. I mean, I guess it's got to go through the the actual like legal process here. But if if anybody would that doesn't have an interest in the owner's money, if anybody right. just looks at it from a standpoint just looks of at okay, it on the board. So you're making these people do what exactly? They've got to play your play this sport for seven months out of the year. Plus, you make them show up to spring training, and then you expect them to stay in shape right. on their own throughout the offseason. And you're only going to give them, like, $20,000 over the course of an entire year? Like, no, that's wrong. Like, that's not how you, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. So anybody who doesn't isn't trying to save the owner's money, I think, would look at this and say, that's unfair. I don't know the legal repercussions or how this actually plays out, but it sounds like at least it's starting off in a good way for the minor leaguers. I don't care about him. Next question. Do you believe this? Michael Sean Duggar from The Athletic said, I'd be surprised if the Seahawks trade for more more assets for a bridge or stopgap quarterback. Anyone they acquire would have to be for the future because they believe in Drew Locke. 
Do you believe that? Why do they? Why don't they believe in Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I or someone like that. They've watched Drew Locke play, and they say this is the guy as our bridge. Did you see Pete Carroll's press conference about Drew Locke? Yes. When he talked yep. about his five games from 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Pete, there's been two seasons since then. <laughs> he got replaced as the starting quarterback. Because guess what? The Broncos didn't say, oh, he might regain those five games from 2000. And here's the thing. He wasn't even, like, awesome in those five games. He was just a competent average NFL quarterback for five games in 2019. So it's like, if we can recapture his 2019 form, we've got the 18th best quarterback in the league. Like, what are they? I, Is Pete showing his age? Well, here's here's the thing if you're the Seahawks. And again, we've with Pete Carroll and his age, we've talked about the idea. Is he really going to go into a rebuild when he's 72 right, right. and basically say, I got to stick around for five years for this to pay off? But like, if you're the Seahawks, I think you're in a similar position as the Raiders where your division's really good. It's going to be really hard for you to actually win, win the, the division. division. So like trading for uh, whatever, if Baker Mayfield forces his way out or, or if Matt Ryan ends up on the move, like trading for a better quarterback than Drew Locke, but one that's not a top-end guy, probably doesn't make a lot of sense because you're just going to be, oh, instead of a four-win team, we were a seven-win seven, team, and now right. we're picking worse. But you're right. still not going to the playoffs. You're still not a Super Bowl contender. So I, I almost feel like they're in a position where they're going to sell Drew Locke to the public, but in reality, they're just going to start Drew Locke until they can draft another quarterback because they know, well, we can't win right now. We're not going to try to win right now. We're going to try to win in a couple of years. So, sure, Drew Locke, we believe in Drew Locke. It's going to be great. But in reality, they're going to draft somebody. Yes, you guys sound awful. Let's go to break. <laughs> just, it didn't mean anything like special, but like I don't know, just scoring. It was like the celebration was just emotion. Nothing like, no, nothing special. Daddy had a breakaway. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Knights. Who was that daddy? Who's your right. daddy? Who was that guy? Unbelievable. Two goals from Evgeny Dijanov. Scored on a power play, which doesn't happen for anybody on this team. Daddy. But his non-power play goal was impressive. Actually skated through some opponents and put one on net, put one in the back of the net. That was terrific from Evgeny Dijanov. So the Golden Knights snapped their losing streak with a 5-3 win last night over Florida. Because, of course... You play four teams that are not anywhere near the playoffs and you lose and look terrible. You come home and like, ah, second best record in the NHL. No problem. We got this. This is the team that we're going to snap the losing streak against. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Evgeny Dodonov scored. Nicholas Waugh had a uh, good breakaway goal that basically won the game for the Golden Knights. And Logan Thompson got the start yeah. in net. By the way, before we William get Carlson that, actually scored. Now, it was an well, empty netter, empty but, empty I mean, netter. but I mean, well, he scored. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh I want to ask you this pretty quickly. Do you think there is a chance that Logan Thompson sort of wins the starting <laughs> job while Robin Leonard is out? I hope so, so much. I hope on Saturday he bought. All right. Oh, this is so interesting what Pete DeBoer is going to do. You know, he says he doesn't know goalies, and he just asks his goalie coach. Man, they have a day in between. I want to say they start Logan Thompson tomorrow. Be interested to see. Yeah. I mean, it's a short-term. I mean, Robin Leonard's I mean, the starter. Day. But short-term, yes, yes. there might be a legitimate goalie battle here between the guy they gave over $2 million to and the guy in the AHL that right. they're going to pay $6 for the entirety of the season. Now, the important part of last night's game, probably more important than the actual win, Jack Eichel left the game. 
Uh, Jack Eichel actually left the ice twice in pain. He stayed on the bench for the first time. The second time, uh, he came back in the game, but then during the second intermission, ended up leaving the game. This is after he blocked a shot with uh, appeared to hit his hand or arm somewhere in that area. Uh, he did not come out for the third period. Pete DeBoer, after the game, as usual, didn't give an actual injury update. But he did say, obviously, he didn't come back into the game, and that's, that's not, not good. a good thing. So here we go. Jack Eichel is now hurt in what could be a serious injury that would keep him out for a game, a week, a month, the rest of the season. We'll we'll wait to find out. But like we've talked about it a lot, and the Golden Knights falling out of the playoffs, regardless of the injuries, not much of an excuse. It is unbelievable. Yeah, it's every night. It is every, unreal. Well, Logan Thompson almost got taken out. He did. He did he, not get hurt, though. He didn't get hurt, though, which was a shock, given anyone <laughs> that goes down for the Golden Knights is skating off the ice. Um, he almost got hurt. Uh, who's on the top line against the Kings? Nolan Patrick and Daddy? I mean, who's left? Who's left on this team? Is it Daddy and Golden Knight? Uh, Daddy and Nolan Patrick, they will, they'll just go with two on the top line? It's. I mean... Seriously, like that, you're, you you say that, but it's not I mean, really a joke. Be, no, it's not even a joke. I mean, anymore. at the moment, William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault are healthy, and at the moment's probably the key word. Uh, and outside of that, you're you're right. Nolan Patrick, William Carrier, and Evgeny Dadonov. Nicholas Waugh your Nick Waugh somewhere like in the conversation. Maybe Nick Waugh should be the first line center, yeah. not Patrick. Waugh. I was kidding about Patrick, not about Daddy. I mean. I said Patrick Waugh, Nolan Patrick. Um, Daddy had a breakaway. I, you, you might be kidding, but that might be reality. What if that's against the Kings? Nolan Patrick, yeah. I mean, it is unreal where this team is at with the injury standpoint. Uh, but Jack Eichel, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see if he's able to play. I guess I'd be surprised if he plays Saturday, right? I mean, you leave the game, and the only th- update we have yeah, is the shot. coach says it's not good. He's shot. If he's, if he's out there Saturday. I guess he could come back, but they he tried to play, and then during the intermission they decided he couldn't play, which speculation-wise would lead you to believe somebody on the team doctor said, ooh, that's not good, we need to get you out, and if they need to get him out, 48 hours later is he ready to go again? I guess it's possible. Hockey players play through a lot of stuff. but And by the way, if I'm Jack Eichel, are you pushing to play through an injury right now, or are you looking around saying, well, all these other guys no, are hurt? I'm not pushing through anything. <laughs> Well, and if there's one guy who probably has a uh, a legitimate beef, it's the guy who went through one right. of the neck surgeries that no one in hockey's ever gone through, and he was out that long. If I'm hurt at all, I'm staying out. Um, what's what's going on with Frank Cervelli? What, okay, let's, what is going let's, on? With let's this? get into this fun this, this fun story here because Robin Leonard and Frank Cervelli are arguing again. Uh, Frank Cervelli covers the NHL for DailyFaceOff.com. Robin Leonard, goaltender for the Golden Knights. Earlier this season, Frank Cervelli reported that Robin Leonard has a torn labrum. And that he was basically, he and the team were basically deciding whether or not he should have surgery now and end his season, or if he should have surgery after the year and play through the injury. Robin Leonard came out and said that's not true. Robin Leonard said that is in. Called him Dr. Cervelli. Called him Dr. Cervelli. Uh, now, Frank Cervelli yesterday said that Robin Leonard has suffered a fractured kneecap and said it doesn't seem like he'll be back anytime soon. And he also doubled down on his report of Robin Leonard having a torn labrum in his shoulder. So Frank Saravalli is saying that Leonard right now has a torn labrum and a fractured kneecap. Then we got He'll be this, playing on Saturday. Then we got this tweet 
from Sinbin.Vegas. Just had a short chat with Robin Leonard while walking without any limp at all to press row. And I can say that in no way, shape, or form does it appear that he has a broken kneecap. He scoffed at the notion that he would be out for the rest of the season. Now, I guess that doesn't prove anything. Robin Leonard walking to the press box or Robin Leonard saying, I'll be back before the season's over. But I wouldn't imagine Robin Leonard would be walking without a limp, without crutches to the press box. Yeah, I don't know much about fractured kneecap. I'm not a doctor, but fractured kneecap insinuates to me there might be a little limp, if not uh, some crutches. <laughs> so my guess is it's not fractured. I I believe Cerebelli's source is Alan Walsh. Okay. I believe that they, for whatever reason, and I don't know why Cerebelli, unless Alan Walsh feeds him everything on the, you know the entire league, I don't know why, if that's true, if it's true, I'm not tied to you, are just saying what you believe. Um, I don't know why they'd get caught up in this. So, okay, who Saravalli's source is, is I think one of the most interesting questions, simply because, A, this organization, like a lot of hockey teams, but this organization does not give injury information, and we Nobody, rarely yeah. get legitimate leaks on guys' injuries. Eric Howla had some weird injury where he was out for the year, got stretchered off, and it was like, yes. oh, it's a unique injury. Yes. Like, they ne- they didn't say for a year what <laughs> Eric Howla's injury was. It was like, we saw him get stretched off. It was off. a uniquely torn right. ACL. It's like, we know he's not playing. Like, you can tell us what the injury is. So nothing really ever gets out until after the fact with this team. But Frank Saravalli, who doesn't cover the team, he's a national guy, doesn't, he's not a beat reporter. Frank Saravalli has a source that has this info on Robin Leonard. It's it's fascinating from that standpoint, but then also the Alan Walsh side of that because we've we've heard that before that Alan Walsh is potentially the one with this information because the first time Sarah Volley reported a Robin Leonard injury, it came with the caveat that the Golden Knights wanted to trade for Robin or trade for Mark, Mark Andre Fleury and bring him back. So there was, you know, some reason to believe, hey, maybe it does come from Alan Walsh. From the reporter side though, I don't know Frank Saravalli. I don't either. I cannot imagine a reporter running with something from an agent that isn't even the agent of the player you're reporting about. Would you really go with, hey, this guy is not an agent, is not Robin Leonard's agent, but he tells me this is what the injury is. That, like, from a reporter standpoint, I have to imagine there is someone else or something else that makes him confident enough to say that. Because if it's just Alan Walsh, that makes zero sense to me to report well it here's makes, the injury based on it makes the writer look bad right oh, it makes you look terrible i mean it looks it makes the writer look terrible i i can't say I, i've talked to a lot of people um i'm not saying for sure you asked me who i thought it was we both talked about alan walsh in the past and alan walsh's feelings told the go toward the golden knights but why would frank cerebelli right. get caught up in that there, why would a, he care if alan walsh hates the golden right. Knights? there's a lot of reason to suspect alan walsh would leak this information oh, absolutely if, if he knew it or whatever there's a lot of reason to think that but i just can't get past the fact that if you were a reporter you would not be you would not be publishing that type of report based on alan walsh talking about a player that's not his client and let's take a next next step further if it's not alan walsh because after leonard went after him in the press room and said Dr. Cerebelli and I'm sure he heard that. <laughs> let's say that let's say that information on the labrum came from Walsh and you have Leonard vehemently denying it and saying Dr. Cerebelli and making fun of him. Do you trust Rosh do you trust Walsh on a broken knee time? Right. You I would Why would you, would you do that? Because you'd say, Hey Alan, 
this this happened after you told me it was a torn labrum. Things now you're going. Well. The guy's got a fractured kneecap. Right. Should I? And by the way, like you said, he not only reported that, then he doubles down on the labrum. Right. So who who? So I, I feel like there's gotta be something else. You think it's internal? I, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, he's like, that close to someone internally that they don't say anything to local media at all ever, but they're going to tell this guy right. who, which who by the way, sense. has a national right. uh, national um, platform right. instead of just local? Which doesn't which doesn't make doesn't sense. doesn't make any either. sense at all. So I can't figure that out. I will say this, though. This is the second time in two years that there has been a Robin Leonard um, injury or the reason Robin Leonard's out situation, and it could have all been cleared up if the Golden Knights simply told people what injuries their players right. had. If you remember last year, he had a concussion. He missed, what did he miss, a month? Did he miss two months? He missed a long time with a concussion, and a lot of people speculated that Robin Leonard was having mental health issues. Yes. And when Leonard came back and talked to the media, he ripped into that idea. Right. Said it was unfair that people would assume that or whatever. Right. And that is unfair. It could have been, it never would have been a problem if the Golden Knights had come out and said Robin Leonard's out with a concussion. Right. Did that. And so that speculation happened. The same thing's happening now. If the Golden Knights came out and said, Robin Leonard has this shoulder injury, Robin Leonard has this knee injury, or whatever the hell they are, we wouldn't have Frank Saravalli out here reporting, well, it's a torn labrum, and then Robin Leonard saying, or walking through the press box saying, it's not my labrum, right. Dr. Saravalli. If the Golden Knights just reported their injuries, Robin Leonard's well-being would be much better the last two years. He wouldn't have to deal with people speculating on his injuries, but because the Golden Knights hide every single injury that a player has, this happens, and yeah. it's, it's going to continue to happen every single time. It's why we speculate on Mark well, Stone and it's being on, held and out for long Whether they like it or not, it's on them because that's our job. Yeah. Oh, it, so it is it's Frank, a, this is on them. If Frank Saravalli has a source he's confident in, yeah, that's telling he him needs that, to report it. Then that's what his if job he's is to confident. do. Right. If it's Alan Walsh, he probably shouldn't be doing it. Well, but not if, on the second one. <laughs> but if he's confident, 100%, that's what he should be doing. But I just don't know where it comes from. And if the Golden Knights would just do a legit, hey, this guy is out with this injury, uh, it wouldn't be a problem. Right. We wouldn't we wouldn't be sitting here speculating on it. We'd know exactly what it was, and Robin Leonard wouldn't be mad at Frank Saravalli right. anymore. Coming up next. Paul Gutierrez on the Raiders. Big offseason. Allen forced to steal into the hands of Henry. Aggies with a basketball. 30 seconds left to go. Drive, shot, got it, and the foul. Oh, my goodness. Teddy Allen did it on the defensive end, then on the offensive end. And he's got his team primed to advance with a five-point lead and 27 and a half seconds left to go. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. The Raiders have finally made some noise in free agency, and it has been quite a lot. Uh, joining us now from ESPN, Paul Gutierrez. Good morning, Paul. Hey, How are you doing today? What's going on, guys? It's madness, I tell you. It's madness. <laughs> uh, so, Devontae Adams is now a Las Vegas Raider. I'm curious to, to start with sort of the big picture here. How do you do you think this should change sort of their standing in the AFC West and their chances as a Super Bowl contender? Like, does this make them significantly better in this division and across the entire league? Well, since I wrote that exact thing last night, yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, we can all, you always look at teams and, and you can say they win the press conference. You can say they win the, the offseason. Um, it, it still depends upon what they do on the field. And now they have 
uh, improve themselves greatly. They're not just a contender now in the division. I do believe that, you know, on paper at least, they now are a contender for the Super Bowl. Uh, but you look at what's going on in the division. You look at the other things they still need to do. They still need to shore up that offensive line somehow, some way, because, you know, it comes down to, to me, it's always been about games being won or lost in the trenches. And if Derek Carr still has no time to look for Devontae Adams down the field, to find Hunter Renfro in the slot, uh, to you know, to not just become a, a check down again, then what's the point of all of this? So there's still some things they need to do. They realize there's still work to be done, and, and we'll see where they go from here. But but to answer your question, yeah, right here, right now on March 18th, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they even proved themselves enough to be put in that conversation, even with all the moves everyone else in the division has made. So much, we talked so much about Derek Carr, what they were going to do with him, extend him, trade him, uh, require he play on the one year. I don't think there's any question now that they're going to, he's going to be the quarterback. I don't think you make this trade if he's not the quarterback. Are you expecting an extension soon? Uh, either that or they trade him straight up for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> 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 joking. They, I mean, yeah, it's all a formality now, right? I mean, why else would Devontae Adams come to the Raiders unless he was going to, unless he was given assurances he'd be with his college bestie for a while? He got a, he's going to sign for a five-year deal with sixty-seven point five million guaranteed per our own Adam Schefter on this thing. So there's some assurances given there, no doubt. Um, you know, and, and I would have been of the mind too to. You know what? Just let Derek play this final year out, guarantee what's left of it, and then you know make it a wait and see year. But it's obvious that this new regime is going more the Patriots way and saying, "No, we're going all in." Uh, Khalil Mack in in L.A. with the Chargers, okay, fine. Russell Wilson in in Denver, great. Oh, the Chiefs still have all their their weapons, okay. Well, how do you guys like this? So yeah, I think Derek Carr, they're about ready to jump the broom full time with him, and, and we'll see how that that goes. Do you know how funny it would be if they traded Derek Carr now? I think that would be the funniest move the organization has ever made if they traded him. I think I'd be pretty busy. Adams. I'd be pretty busy <laughs> yes. all day long on uh, writing things and on TV. Yeah, but it, it's it's it, that doesn't seem to be in the cards today. There's a lot of things in this organization that that, that uh, nobody ever really saw coming either. Like what happened yesterday. Um, do you have any concern about Devontae Adams' age? He's 29. He'll be 30 uh, at the end of next season. Wide receivers tend to have a little bit of a drop-off when they get in their 30s. So do you have any concern that he is going to fall from being the best receiver in the league, even just down to, like, the 15th or 20th best receiver over the next three or four years? Well, I guess there's always that concern for any player that hits that 30-year-old mark. But, but again, there's, there's, there's something to be said about him actually choosing to come to the Raiders. I mean, the Packers were willing to, to match their money, according to our own reporter there, Rob Domofsky. Uh, but, but when you stop and you think about it, he chose a little less money with the Raiders. He chose Aaron. Uh, he chose Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers, and he chose to come to come here rather than stay where he'd enjoyed all that success. So, yeah, there's always a concern that there might be some sort of drop off along the way. Um, but, but you know, they're gambling on it. He's gambling on it, and. And I've always been of the mind that, that receivers, as great as they are, how great can they truly be unless they got somebody great throwing them the ball? So, um, and it all, again, comes down to the offensive line. We'll, we'll see exactly where it goes here. But, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that there's still some questions, but it does elevate them right now, and, and it's the off season and, and let them enjoy it. And then you just try to figure out how they all come together because, again, not only are they, is Devontae Adams coming to a new situation, but... So the entire team with the new coach in, in Josh McDaniels and, and, and Dave Ziegler, the GM. So um, it'll be real interesting to see this thing play out. 
Um, obviously, they improved on the edge uh, with Chandler, uh, but you know if the if the state safeties kind of are the same right now. And Morg was you know had a good rookie year, but you we know about Jonathan Abram. Uh, they've gotten some corners. Don't know really how they're going to fit in or who's going to fit in where. How much better right now on paper are they defensively? Is it with Chandler Jones that much more better, or there's still spots that you're a little concerned about? Yeah, no, they they address pass rush, which really they they improved, right? I mean, Unique Ngakwe was a nice player, but Chandler Jones is an established guy who could potentially find himself in Canton someday. And over the past decade, he's got the most sacks in the NFL. So you upgrade a position that was already kind of one of strength. Um, you lock up Max Crosby, which, again, seems like it was forever ago now. It was less than a week ago. Or actually, it was a week ago today, right, when, when that happened. So they've done some things, but there's still work to be done. And, and number one to me is the offensive line. Number two is, is still the secondary because, you know, they're putting some pieces together there. Um, and, and you kind of go because that's a new situation, too, with a new coordinator who is – looked upon as one of the bright bright guys that, that uh, can throw a defense out there. So they're going to have to stop people in Division two. They can't just go out there and try to score 50 points every night. And, and you know, I, I, I do believe that that uh, it is an upgrade with Chandler Jones. And when you go back to the receiver position as well, I mean, this is the first true still-in-his-prime number one guy that Derek Carr has ever had. And really, it might be the first true number one in his prime receiver that wants to be with the Raiders since Tim Brown back in the day because Randy Moss didn't count because he didn't want to be here. Okay, on that idea, he's got a great wide receiver. They went out and spent some money and, and brought in Chandler Jones as well. Obviously, like you said, the offensive line, they probably still need to address it there. Is this going to be the season Derek Carr is under the most pressure because there's not going to be excuses about the roster around him? Be careful. You say stuff like that, you might get yourself blocked on Twitter. <laughs> well, he doesn't read or listen, so we're okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean, d- define pressure. I mean, I'm sure he would say um, that every season's under pressure. But I'm also of the mind, and I wrote this last night, too, is that, okay, now, finally, there are no excuses. Not that he's ever publicly made any excuses. And even if he did, he wouldn't be wrong. I mean, after everything that happened last year, after the Antonio Brown implosion, after them deconstructing the offensive line, after what happened in Washington, D.C. back in 2017, after breaking his ankle, breaking bones in his back, breaking his pinky, there's always been something. And it's not his fault, so to speak, but it's always been there. It's, it's kind of like that old joke, well, well, stop me when I'm wrong. So it, it, it really is to me, okay, this is all in place, and there's no excuses until there is one. What, I mean, they are obviously, I think, uh, for better or worse, all in. Um, and they've kind of gone the Patriot way, a lot of it. Did you at any point, after talking to them at that opening press conference and other times, uh, believe that they would have tried to rebuild instead of just doing what they've done? Yeah. I thought after after what happened with, with Russell Wilson going to Denver and with Khalil Mack going to the Chargers and everybody else reloading, it was kind of like, huh. I wonder if it's more in their in their DNA to just say, you know what, let's take a couple years to reassess here and, and get going. Instead, they're like, no, let's make some big, splashy moves and, and, and make it happen. And, you know, social media to me is, is one of the greatest inventions of all mankind, humankind, really, but it's also one of the worst. So when you saw what was going on on Monday and Tuesday when it seemed like they were just sitting there twiddling their thumbs, instead they were just kind of biding their time. So, uh, yeah, it, it seemed like they could have gone one way or the other, and instead they've gone all in. Uh, do you figure it's out why you, you figure out why you got blocked by Derek Carr on Twitter? I, I have not. 
and then it really <laughs> I mean I know I put it out there but I didn't put it out there to to say oh whoa is me I just thought it was interesting like 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 Ed said I mean this is uh it's interesting for a guy who claims he doesn't uh, read or listen to anything, why would you do something like that? I assume it's because I put out that article that quoted him using his words to show diff- three different paths that the Raiders could have taken, whether it was extend him, have him play on the one year, or trade him. That's, that's what I assume. But I also saw this morning that his biggest critic on Twitter got a like, and that's Josh Dubow. So he blocked Josh Dubow, but then liked his tweet. He liked uh, a tweet was, from Josh Dubow? He liked it. He liked no. Josh's tweet because Josh said the Devontae Adams thing wasn't happening. So <laughs> oh, okay. oh, oh, I see. I see. Comes full circle. I see. I thought for sure you got blocked because you traded him to Washington. Make up stuff. That, well, that was part of the same article. Okay, all right. I was going to say, that, that trade to Washington, I would have thought either he or Darren didn't like that. I don't know which one. <laughs> David was very fired up. Trade, in that mock trade, I traded him for a first and a conditional fourth that could have become a second. And what did they trade Avant, uh, for Devontae Adams? First yeah, first and a second. And second. Yeah. So they need to trade Derek Carr for the first and a second to make up for <laughs> trading away Devontae Adams, and then everything's good to go. <laughs> well, he is Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Paul, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Paul. Enjoy the day, guys. Pre- appreciate it, man. So there is Paul Gutierrez. Uh, Recently blocked I, by Derek Carr. I do like that he liked the tweet of Josh. That is good. That, that is Josh good. said it wasn't going to happen. That is very good. I, I enjoy that. Did not he, that, he, not did, that he follows. Did he unblock Josh Dubow to then well, can like you, the tweet? How does it work? Can you like something? You can, if you, yeah. if you yeah. have blocked someone? Yeah. If you block Oh, you then he probably didn't unblock him. Okay. He probably liked the tweet. <laughs> it's good. Which means that, that he has him blocked, but also knows... Like when he's tweeting enough to be like, I remember when he tweeted that. Right, he has oh, a yeah. block, yeah. but also has somebody sending. Somebody probably sent him the tweet from Josh right. Dubow. Right. One of his brothers probably texted him the tweet. Hey, remember when Josh Dubow said this? So then that, that's why he went. My like goodness, it. it's good. It's good. But hey, good day for Derek Carr. He's got a wide receiver. Huge day for to. Derek Carr. Now all the pressure's on Derek Carr. All right, coming up next, we're still live from the Westgate for day two of the NCAA tournament. It's the Press Box with Grainy and Bischoff. What did you want? I just wanted Jared to shut up, to stop his ranting. On ESPN Las Vegas. We are live from the Westgate Superbook for day two of the NCAA tournament. Loyola and Ohio State get the day started at 9.15. So less than a half hour away from day two getting underway. We are out here until 10 o'clock. Cofield and company will be out here at 1 o'clock. Come on down, get your bets in. Line is already wrapped around the sports book. So if you don't want to sit in line, make sure you have the Superbook Race and Sportsbook app, where right now you get $100 when you spend $100 in the app. Um, you filled out two brackets? Yeah. You still good in one of them? One of them. All right. What, did you have Kentucky in the Final Four and another one? No, I had no, I've um, I forgot all my brackets. I uh, That's why you don't fill out two? Yeah, I checked. You just this, fill out one. You'll know. I checked it. this morning. I haven't. I don't think I've because I I switched. I wish I switched Kentucky to Purdue. Probably after talking to Brad Powers. I don't even know if he said anything. Um, so <laughs> I think I, he had. I think he told us he had Kentucky in the Final Four. Maybe I switched it. When would Kentucky <laughs> yeah, have played? When would Kentucky have played Purdue? In the sixteen. Uh, the Elite Eight. Okay, I, I switched to Purdue. No, Sweet 16. Yeah, you're Sweet right. Sweet 16. Right. Sweet I switched 16. to Purdue. I don't even know why. I no. have no idea. It's good call. One of my good calls. Good co- decision. Mark so Ander- well. After one day, Mark Anderson's in the lead with 14 points. My son's got 13. 
I've got, I'm, I'm with like 7,000 people at 11. There oh, was boy. genuinely a point where I was in second place. There you go. You're you're following it. Right. I like it. I After like the it. first game. What do you? Yeah. Like, well, not not the well, Michigan. For first, after the first game, I, got, I, I believe I got Richmond. And that was like that was there you the go. big whoa. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I uh, I had both Iowa and Kentucky in the Final Four. Lost two Final Four teams on the first day. That's not very good. A good pick. Not ideal. Um, you should try harder. My favorite part of yesterday, though, I don't know that it was any of the actual basketball. Did you see the Indiana cheerleader? Oh, yeah, who got lifted up to get the basketball okay. off the off the uh, backboard. Basketball gets stuck, stuck on the top of the backboard. Uh, you see this happen in basketball. And yeah. we see people try to poke at it with one of those little mops, right? Yep. Like sometimes if, like, Boban happens in an NBA game, he can sometimes just reach up there and grab <laughs> it. But normally there's, like, a struggle to get it. And yesterday, the Indiana cheerleaders, one guy and, and one girl, picks her up, holds her up, walks her over, and she just grabs the basketball yeah. down. Beautiful. Has this been in the entirety of the history of basketball? Well, there are always cheerleaders courtside, and you're telling me we just now, just now, the Indiana cheerleaders are the first ones to be like, you know, I can just pick you up, and, and you can get that. You know, okay, I'm trying to think of pro teams. You got the Laker girls, right? Well, I guess pro teams don't have a male. They don't have a, they don't have a male cheerleader. To pick them up. Yeah. Colleges do, though. Yeah. Colleges do. And that's all they do is pick them up and spin them and twirl them and throw them up in the air. Every college bat, this should be a non, non-issue in every college basketball game. Instead of the da- the ref with the damn mop trying to poke <laughs> it down, that's what we're with doing. With the NCAA logo on it. Right. That's what we're doing. No, no. Get the cheerleaders over here. Pick her up and just have her grab it. What? It was so, It was phenomenal. It was tremendous to watch. But it's only tremendous because we've never seen it before. Right. And I right. don't understand how we haven't seen it before because it's such an obvious answer. Because, again, the, the, the other part is the cheerleaders are always right there. They're yeah, always they're under the, the basket. They're baseline on the, under the basket. It's not like, oh, they, they're in the crowd, so they're not close. Right. It's no, They're literally always right there. And it took until Indiana in 2022 to figure this out. Indiana should have gotten to advance because of that. Well, the way they played. <laughs> St. Mary's ran them out of the building. That should have been worth 40 points. So is... So this happens a lot also, especially at top seed. You struggle for the first game a little, and then you just kind of reel off however many wins you need to reel off. I thought of that when I was watching Gonzaga yesterday because they really struggled in the first half. Then they kind of, you know, those 21-0 runs seem to help you. Um, but now they get Memphis. <laughs> Why am I so convinced it might not be easy, but Memphis can't beat them? What like, I-, I keep thinking, like, well, that happens. you got to win six games. You come in as a one sixteen, sixteen's all fired up. You get, you know, you kind of struggle for half, but then, but then, you know, you kind of take control a bit and win going away. And I never thought like, oh, because Memphis played so well against Boise State that Memphis has a chance to beat Gonzaga. Remember what I told you yesterday? Since February first, I told you who was ranked the highest in efficiency. Memphis, number five in the entire country. Where's Gonzaga? Since February first, number one. Okay, still number one, but number five. Like they have been playing extremely well. The second half of the season, um, Emily Bates is a guy that they stopped playing, and they started playing very well. Now they played him yesterday in the NCAA tournament game for the first time in like a right. month and a half. Right. So if that actually matters, he's playing now apparently. But Memphis has been really good from an efficiency standpoint for almost two months now. Again, Gonzaga has been awesome. Gonzaga has been the number one team all year and has been for the last two months still. But Memphis has been excellent, and I the the um. 
Oh, they they haven't put it up yet. I want I wanted second round I wanted oh. second round odds on that game. I fully expect Gonzaga to still win the game, but I absolutely think this is a team that they could lose to. I absolutely think Memphis could beat them. Uh, Ken Palm has Gonzaga winning by 12. Oh, okay. I'd be surprised if the line is actually that high. I don't think the li- Maybe 10 and a half. Yeah, I don't think the lines would be that high. But Ken Palm has Gonzaga very highly rated and winning by 12 points. So I'm fascinated to see what that, uh, how that game plays out. Because here's the other part of that. I think that's I, Memphis might be the toughest team they play until the Elite Eight. Like in yeah, their, in their they region, get, they get Arkansas. Right, like New if they Mexico get Arkansas, State. I, I think Memphis has a better chance to beat them than right. Arkansas. And I agree. Even if like, I think Memphis might have a better chance than even Duke at beating them. And then they'd get Duke in the eight. They yeah, get they, Duke or Texas Tech if it if it plays out. Yeah. They get Duke or Texas Tech in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. I think there's a chance that Memphis might be their toughest match. Uh, on their run to the on the run to the final four. Where's this from? Uh, it's on Veasan. Veasan's got it. Uh, Gonzaga three. Oh boy. Well, I might lay the three. If you believe in Ken Palm, you should go heavy on Gonzaga. Gonzaga, because that is a nine point difference. They've got New Mexico State and Arkansas as a pick. Really? Wow. Those are, okay. So three opening. Let's see where that goes. Although. Maybe you're right on Memphis because the very first reaction to three is go heavy on Gonzaga. Right. Which, That's what they want you to do. Because here's the thing. Ken Palm, then their projected his projected score is almost always right in line with the point spread. Like almost always identical. Almost always. They're open to three. And he's got uh, 84-72 final score Gonzaga wow. as a winner. So that is a massive difference between the two. So if you believe in Ken Palm, go for it. I, I, let me see here. What does Bart Torvik have? You love Bart Torvik now? Jared does. Jared's a big fan. Jared likes Bart, Bart Torvik in here. Um, let's see what they have here. Uh, yeah, Bart Torvik still has uh, Gonzaga by 10. So Bart Torvik's a little bit higher on uh, I don't know what this Memphis. line is. That's opening? It opened at 3, but it's been bet all the It opened at 3. And it's been bet to 10 and a half? Okay, Danny, you got to turn on your mic. Yeah, he's just talking to us. Yeah, Calm he's down, it. Jared. Okay. So, yeah, okay. So it's 10 and a half now. Yeah, that makes more sense. That's a little bit more. It's all these dudes in line who just bet all their money on it. Man, imagine sitting in line and the line changes by like three points before you get <laughs> to the like front. seven? That'd be a nightmare. Oh, my God, I only have to do three. You get up there and know it's ten and a half. Yeah, everybody <laughs> up there has bet the same thing as you. just goes up by one point every each, time each, each dude, Each guy in front of you keeps going up by a point. Now hey, it's up to like 12. That's why you get the mobile app. That's right. The that's Superbook right. race and sportsbook app. And you can you can make it happen. All right. Uh, do you... We had a great day yesterday in terms of upsets and fun games. We also had, what was it, four games decided by 30 points or more? Like, it was a very wide mix of really fun games. Carolina. And some terrible games there. Um, Kansas. You think anybody gets upset today? Auburn. Wow. They play the second game, Jacksonville State. Did you just pick them out because you yes. saw Auburn somewhere? Okay. No, no, okay. no. I'm, just, I'm looking at Yankees, Pirates, Reds, Guardians, Rockies, right. D-Bats. Uh, Delaware, Villanova, don't think that happens. Here's here's the one. Here's the biggest upset of the day for you. Chattanooga takes down Illinois. 